Good morning, Grand Point. My name is Michael Lentz, and I've been attending Grand Point Chambersburg for three and a half years since moving out here from Colorado. In fact, my parents are regular watchers of the online service for Grand Point Chambersburg, and today is their birthday. They were both born on January 29th, now different years, so... You know, not too much of a coincidence there. But I would really love to say happy birthday to my mom and dad, Leonard and Susan Lentz. And I love you very much. The scripture reading today is from John chapter 14, verses 22 through 24. Hear the word of the Lord. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, thanks, Mike. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? My name's Dan. I am on staff here at the church. I take care of all the tech issues. Special welcome to you guys joining online. Hey, the video just came back, so thanks for sticking it out, the 70 or so of you who have been watching with just audio. We appreciate it. But so glad to be here this morning to be able to bring the word here this morning. Have you ever ended up in a position or had a job where you actually had no clue what you were doing? Has there ever been a situation, maybe it's something that you didn't notice until well after the fact. Maybe it was in hindsight, you look back and you're like, what was I doing there? I had no clue what that was about. See, my very first paid position in ministry was one of those things. I was actually asked to come on staff as a youth pastor, worship director, when I was only 19 years old. Um, I had turned 20 before I took the job, but even still, as a 20-year-old, that meant some of my students were only two years younger than me. Uh, So it was kind of a crazy thing because I was definitely in way over my head. In fact, when I look at that from a church perspective, as someone who's been on church staffs for so long, I have to go, what were they thinking hiring a 20-year-old to do their youth ministry? I had some great people around me though, and they helped me develop some structure for the ministry, helped me be able to um, do what we did on a regular basis. But when I look back, I have to recognize all of the things that we're falling short in the midst of that ministry. Now, as a 20-year-old, I knew what I was doing was right, right? I knew everything that was going on. But when I look back, maybe not so much, right? At an all-nighter one night, and this was with parental permission, mind you, I took a 15-passenger van full of students late at night down into Center City, Philadelphia in order to buy cheesesteaks. <laughs> one of those things that current me most definitely would not do. <laughs> But 20-year-old me apparently didn't have a problem with it. That's some crazy nonsense there. I could tell a million examples of stuff like that that we did and were a part of that when I look back now, I realize a lot of it had to do with the fact that all I was doing was mimicking what I had already seen in youth ministry. I really didn't have a clear direction for what ministry was supposed to look like. I was still in college working through some of the early details of that as it was. 
It wasn't until I was on my way into my next ministry where I served that I really began to grow and understand direction for youth ministry. I began to spend time reading more about the philosophy of youth ministry, and I began to talk more with other youth pastors. I became part of a network that taught me more, and I began to grow somewhat because of my age growing and somewhat because of my maturity growing, but more so it's because I was spending time learning more about the direction of youth ministry. See, the early days in ministry had impact. We saw some cool things. In fact, some of my former students are involved in ministry directly today. But the impact was good, but it probably wasn't as great as it could have been had there been more direction going into that ministry. Well, today, we're going to be looking at this reality of direction in our lives specifically and how when we spend time in the Word of God... It can impact us from being someone who may bear some fruit for God to being people that can bear much fruit. If you're new with us, you probably guessed that we're in the middle of a series called Much Fruit. As you can see by the giant screen behind me that says Much Fruit and the bumper video that we just ran that said Much Fruit. Some of you maybe have guessed, hey, we must be talking about Much Fruit. (laughs) It's been a great series so far, actually. We've walked through the foundations of how we grow as disciples of Jesus, how our lives can be transformed so that they can bear much fruit for God and for his kingdom. We've covered in week one the supernatural change that occurs when we decide to dedicate our lives to Jesus, when we choose to follow him, the way in which we are reborn, the way that we are transformed. We talked about that in week one. In week two, we talked about how the Holy Spirit indwells within us when we choose to accept Jesus as our savior And that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the one who empowers us to live out a life that is transformed by God. And then last week, Pastor Mike brought us an amazing message on dying to self. This idea of how we need to learn to set aside all the selfish desires of our hearts and instead allow God's desires to be replaced there and transform our lives so that they can bear much fruit for him. These are each integral parts to this process of how we grow and develop in maturity as followers of Jesus. And they're all important components to what we're going to be zooming in on today. Spending dedicated time in God's word. Developing a discipline of being in his word. See, today's discussion is so important because the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the commandments of the Father are made clear to us when we spend time in his word. See, the Holy Spirit speaks into every believer's heart as we go about our lives. But sometimes we struggle with deciphering what the Holy Spirit is saying to us if we do not have a deep knowledge and understanding of God's word. Because oftentimes what we'll do is we'll allow our selfish desires, our personal ambitions to be the thing that we slap the Holy Spirit label on and then we chase after. Either that or the indigestion that we had from Taco Bell the night before is causing us to have funny feelings. And so we like to slap the Holy Spirit on that and say, oh, that's God moving. See, we need to be in God's word so that we can understand what the Holy Spirit is saying because the Holy Spirit will not speak in a way that is contrary to the word of God. The Holy Spirit will always line up with what the word of God says. This is one of the reasons why it's so crucial that every single one of us develops a disciplined interaction with God's word. In order to bear fruit with our lives, we need to develop a habit of spending time with Jesus in his word. I know that you've heard this stuff before, right? This isn't brand new. This isn't rocket science. 
read your Bibles, right? You've heard us say that. You've heard us talk about it. But this simple truth is oftentimes not so simple in practice. You know, I've talked to plenty of people who've attempted to be in God's word regularly who have struggled to do so. It's hard because they keep hitting these roadblocks in developing some sort of discipline and being in his word. And I think we need to learn to recognize that spending time in God's word is not going to be natural to us. It's not going to be the sort of thing that comes super simply because of the effects that sin has had on our lives. Sin has separated us from the love of God and that same separation is going to work actively to keep us from growing closer to God. And so it is not going to be a natural thing for us to dive into God's word on a regular basis. That's part of the reason why we covered things like dying to self and relying on the Holy Spirit earlier in this series is because you need the Holy Spirit and you need the death to self in order to be able to develop habits that allow you to spend time in his word. I had a friend in uh, high school who got the chance to go to Indonesia um, for a semester of school. So they went there at a Christian school in Indonesia and they had this amazing time studying. And when they came back, we had some conversations about their experience there. And some of the things that occurred in that situation were kind of incredible to hear. They experienced things from a very spiritual nature that we don't often experience here. They saw someone who was possessed by a demon. They were in a situation where the places where they were staying seemed to be haunted, lights flashing, crazy stuff occurring all the time. And this negative weight of spiritual just pressure was on them the entire time they were there. And they come back, we're talking about this, we're having conversations about it. And my American United States natural self goes, I don't know if that's, does that even happen? Is that real? Is that something? Like skepticism comes out first, right? And then the follow-up to that is the question of, you know, okay, if this stuff is happening, if this is real, why don't we see it? Like, why doesn't that happen around us here in the United States more often? Well, I think part of the reason for that is we oftentimes live lifestyles that are counter to a lifestyle that's reliant on the Holy Spirit, counter to a lifestyle of being dead to self, allowing God to be the center of what we are. And so we distract ourselves enough where the spiritual attacks like that don't need to happen quite as much. Why do you think it's so easy for us to pull out our phones and to doom scroll social media for hours on end? Why do you think it's so much easier to binge watch Netflix than it is to take a moment and spend time in God's word? We're good at distracting ourselves. We need help not only to be motivated to be in God's word, but we also need help to understand what God's word is saying. One of the other things that I hear people say when they're talking about trying to get into a discipline of spending time in God's word is, you know, I sit down, I read it, but I don't understand a word that I'm, I'm hearing. I don't understand what's saying here, what it's saying here. Or they'll go a step further and they'll say, you know, it's not just I don't understand it. I'm reading this and it feels like it's in conflict with all of the beliefs and ideology that I've been taught since the day I was born. It doesn't seem to line up with the way in which the world actually works today. Maybe it's outdated. See, it's easy to fall into these things when we start talking about spending time in God's word because we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit needs to be moving in the midst of our lives so that we can really understand that. That's how we deal with tensions in the world around us, the inconsistency we begin to feel. So today, with the time we have left, we're gonna try and face some of these tensions. We're gonna look at some of these issues that we face when we try and face the word of God and, and develop these habits. And we're gonna 
work to challenge one another to develop this lifestyle that is tied to God's word. So let's dive into a couple passages here that are going to help us inform this conversation as we go. Um, The first one we're going to be looking at comes from the book of 2 Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 3 of that book. Uh, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If you don't, the words will be on screen. If you don't have a Bible, mind you, please, I want you to know we have Bibles for you here. We would love for you to be able to take one home, to be able to study, to work through things on your own. Um, If you head to the hub, it's right to the right out these doors at the end of the service. We've got Bibles for you. You can grab one. You can study there. If you prefer a Bible that glows in the dark, I like the YouVersion Bible app because let's be honest, who here leaves anywhere without their phone in their pocket, right? It's easy to pull out and have the word of God right there. Plus there's some extra tools that are involved when you have something like that in a digital form. So I encourage you, make sure you have access to the word of God. So we're gonna dive in here to Timothy. Um, Timothy was a book written by Paul to a guy named Timothy, go figure. (laughs) And Timothy was a young pastor serving within the church, the early church. And what Paul is writing these letters to him about is basically some encouragement and some direction and some ways in which he can lead his church well, but also ways in which the church can grow in a healthy way to be a healthy church and the way in which the individuals within the church can continue to grow and be healthy. So in 2 Timothy, that's part of this conversation that we're diving into. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In this passage, Paul lays out what scripture is and the purpose of scripture in a believer's life. Paul talks about how it is able to teach about salvation, this idea of everything to make you wise for salvation. He talks about how scripture is breathed by God, that it is the inspired word of God, that God chose human authors to write his word, which he directed, breathed out by his inspiration. He says how it is used to teach, to reprove, to correct, to train in righteousness. Why? So that we are equipped to bear fruit, so that we are equipped for every good work. That is what this concise kind of definition of the way in which the word plays in our lives, how it develops our lives to bear fruit. The word of God tells God's redemptive story. This idea of make wise for salvation, it's telling the story of God. It's telling his love story to us. It helps us understand the character of God who he is to some degree. It also teaches us the way in which Jesus shows us how to live our lives. And then for our key passage here today, we're gonna turn to John 14. I'm gonna back up a little bit from where the passage was just read a little bit. We're gonna start in verse 15 instead of a little bit later in there. But verse 15 starts, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Skip forward a few verses to verse 21. It says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, 
He it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home in him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And if any loves me, he will keep my word. If any of you have ever heard me speak before, this is an illustration I've used quite a few times. I will use it a hundred times more because it's one that I really think hits home sometimes. We cannot claim to love somebody, at least in the relational sense, if we don't know who they are. It's a little different than the verb love that we're commanded to do, right? Love your neighbors, take care of the people around you. It's a little different than the relational idea of love. Imagine going to Walmart and professing your undying love to the cashier that you've never met before and you don't even know their name, right? It's a little absurd. If you don't know somebody, you, you cannot really truly love them. If we do not spend time in God's word and know who he is, It's hard for us to say that we truly love God, the Father. See, oftentimes what we do when we don't spend enough time in God's word is the picture of God that we create, the image of God that we have is oftentimes distorted by ourselves. We begin to look, take ourselves and implant them into the idea of who God is, right? God becomes more like us than what the word of God would present. See, this image we create is more likely to be about our ideals instead of his truth. And then the God that we claim to love is not actually God at all. In fact, it's some twisted way of us learning how to love ourselves more. See, this is part of what Jesus is saying here. This is part of it. We need to know God's word. But he's also saying that we need to obey his commandments. We need to obey his word. We need to live his word. This is the true indicator of love, being obedient to God's word, to him. In his book, What Jesus Demands of the World, John Piper um, does this study in Matthew, and he frames it around the Great Commission that happens in Matthew 28. The Great Commission is when Jesus spoke to the disciples for the last time before he went to be with the Father. And if you're not familiar, the Great Commission says, go therefore... Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. The point that John Piper points out here, and one that I think is very much so true, is notice Jesus didn't say, go teach the commandments that I've shown you. He says, go observe the commandments that I've shown you. You can learn the rules, so to speak. You can know all the information, but that's drastically different than living it out. As Jesus put it, teach them to observe the commandments, not just know them, live them. And that's the second part of this statement from Jesus, this idea of knowing him being an act of love, showing love. It's not just about knowing, it's also about doing what he shows us to do. It's about living out and being obedient to the things that God calls us to. And allowing the Holy Spirit and the power that he gives us to actively transform the way in which we live our lives. So what does this have to do with those tensions we just talked about? What does this have to do with this idea of understanding, this social tension that we feel between the word of God? 
What does this have to do with these things? How do we develop healthy habits to get to this end goal of knowing God and obeying him so that in turn then our lives can bear much fruit? So you're about to see me do something here in my message that I don't ever, ever do. Um, In fact, part of the reason why I don't do it is because I kind of think it's lame. No offense to Pastor Lawrence and other speakers who do this. (laughs) But the answer to these questions is going to come in three parts and they all start with the letter R. (laughs) Oh, that hurts. Uh, (laughs) Let's dive in here. I think it's going to be a good way to help us remember these things. First, read regularly. This is where we need to start in developing this habit of being in God's word. Read regularly. We're gonna touch base on a couple of these tensions as we unpack this read regularly point. See, the only way to really begin to develop a habit of being in his word consistently is to be in his word consistently, is to spend time reading regularly. And I think one of the reasons for this is it's important for us to get a bigger picture of the entirety of scripture. So I'm gonna say something that's a little bit uh, problematic sometimes. I gotta be careful because I don't wanna make people angry, but the Bible wasn't written to you. The Bible wasn't written to you. It was written to the Jewish people. It was written to the early church. It was written to individual people who followed him, but it was not written to you. And so if we are not careful in understanding the entirety of what scripture is trying to say, we're gonna read our 21st century ideals back into the word of God and try and hope that there's a one-to-one translation. So what we end up doing is we make the Bible say things that it's not actually saying. That's part of the reason why we have this disconnect between what the world is telling us is right and what the word of God is saying. But when you begin to read the Bible in its entirety, when you begin to spend time in God's word, you can come to the recognition that though it wasn't written to you, the Bible sure was written for you. It can show you how your life can be transformed. It can show you the character of God. The people that God calls us to be within his word when we read it are the things that should shape every single part of our lives. It should shape the way that we parent our kids. It should shape the way that we handle our money. It should shape the way that we look at sex. It should shape the way that we treat the people around us. The Bible was not written to you, but it was sure written for you. And when we see this bigger correlation to the Bible, to itself, the bigger overarching story that is said, the God's plan for mankind, the themes of grace, the themes of forgiveness, the themes of redemption that exist in the entirety of this story, we get this incredible picture of God's love story to us. We get this incredible picture that brings us to a connection to him through his son Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross so that our relationship with God can be healed And then our lives can be transformed. It's hard to understand the overarching story of God, though, if all we do is pull our Bibles out occasionally and we cherry-pick verses out of the Bible. And the other thing with that is it also creates another danger when we do that because if we take something and rip it out of context, kicking and screaming, we can take a passage like 1 Timothy 2 that says, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over man, rather... She is to remain quiet and we make it to say that all women are inferior and they should be quiet and they shouldn't talk over a man and they should be underlings. 
It's easy to take a passage like that and twist it away from it's meant to be saying because if we understand the character of God, we understand who God is, we know that that cannot be true. And the more that you unpack then the context of how it was written, you recognize that Paul was not speaking to all women for all circumstances at all times. There's a very specific cultural and situational context that is happening in that passage that leads to that statement. It's not speaking universally. But you can't understand that if all you're doing is ripping passages out of their context and using individual verses and standing them up on their own. We need to understand the entirety of God's story to be able to get to that point. This comes back to that understanding question that we mentioned earlier. It's hard to understand what we're reading. And I'm going to dive into that answer in the next point here, because I want to wrap this read regularly part up first. We need to be spending this consistent time with God so we can unpack the bigger story of God. And that does look different for different people. For some, that means spending five minutes a day in his word. For some, it may mean spending hours. For some, it may mean spending a few days a week. Or maybe it may mean spending a few times a month. Whatever it is, we need to be spending time more regularly because that's when we're going to find a richer value in what the word of God is saying to us in the entirety of scripture, not just these individual verses. Even Jesus went off regularly to spend time with God the Father. He made sure that he went off on his own to spend time with the Father. I actually had a great conversation with one of our elders just a few weeks ago, and he was sharing with me his devotional that he's been working through for this year. And he's been going through the entire Bible in different translations. And he's on like the fourth translation, I think, already. Um, He's retired, so he's got time to read and, and do this kind of stuff. But he was saying it's amazing the things that he's able to see when he reads the whole thing instead of just looking at little stuff. He sees these themes. He sees these bigger pictures of what God is speaking into his life. And it's also impacting the way in which he lives his life on a day-to-day basis. Because I know, at least for me personally too, that when I spend time in God's word, the way in which I treat people around me is drastically different. I know when I get the time to spend in God's word before I face my children in the morning, I'm much more loving and graceful than what I am when I roll out of bed, let my feet hit the floor, and then deal with their chaos immediately. I get a lot more bothered by people if I'm not spending time in God's word. For this reason, I know I have to make that commitment to spend time in God's word. And the thing is, we have to make the commitment too. It's not just going to happen on its own. It's not going to be some miraculous thing that just occurs. You have to make the time. You may even have to put it on a schedule for you. If your life is crazy and busy, you have to set aside the time. You have to make the time because the reality is you're going to find something else to fill that time if you don't. It's almost a guarantee. So we need to be reading regularly. That's the first R. The next one reflect and pray. So not only should we be reading regularly, we also need to reflect on the things we're reading and pray about the things we're reading. It's easy if we begin to read regularly to just make that a checklist, right? A to-do list that, oh, read my Bible for the day. Let's move on. But when we spend time reflecting in God's word, we spend time praying for the Holy Spirit to guide us as we read God's word, then it's going to have a much greater impact in our lives. In fact, that answers somewhat the question of understanding when we're in God's word. When we spend time praying to the Holy Spirit to make clear the things the word of God is saying to us, he can help us to understand what it's actually saying. 
One of the most beautiful things about the word of God, even though there's some complexities when it comes to context and culture that exists within the word of God, one of the most incredible things that happens is in a plain reading of the text in the word of God, when guided by the Holy Spirit, he can move within our hearts and our lives to help us be transformed. We don't need a bachelor's degree in biblical studies in order to understand what God wants to speak to us through his word. It is incredible though, how when we spend time reflecting how much the Holy Spirit's movement and then also being able to use other tools can help us begin to understand what his word is. Spending time reflecting on what we read is just as important as reading the words themselves. If you think about what a passage is saying, how it speaks to your life and you pray to the Holy Spirit, it's gonna be significantly more profitable in your life in bearing fruit than just reading it ever will. See, another important thing about this is God has also given us tools to be able to understand some of that stuff because I don't know about you, but I don't have an innate understanding of the Jewish culture in 30 AD. Maybe you guys do, but I don't. So we have tools available to us to be able to unpack some of these bigger realities, this context information that's there. One of the great tools we're actually doing right now, spending time together in community, being with one another to be able to discuss God's word, to be able to work through things. This is why circles are so crucial and important in our ministry here, because it's an opportunity to take the things that you're working through with God to other people and hear their perspectives on it, to hear what God is speaking to them, to be able to sharpen one another, to teach one another. When we have a lacking of understanding or a different angle that we approach something, we can discuss it and we can grow together and learn more. That's why God has made the church to be such a diverse mosaic of people from different cultures and different perspectives. It gives us the opportunity to sharpen one another, to grow together. Another great tool that exists is there have been thousands of Christian authors over the years who have written commentaries and ways to be able to unpack and understand what the word of God says. I have right here, this is actually the first Bible that I got after coming to Christ. Um, And this Bible is a life application study Bible. And the cool thing about this is when you open it up, only a small section of it's actually the text. The rest of it is an explanation of what the text is saying. So as you're reading the word of God and you're like, man, I don't know what that means. You can hop down and you can be like, oh, that's what it's saying. That's what it would have meant. This is an amazing tool and there's other options out there. I just, I like the life application because it also ties to direct practical things, not just the heady cultural issues. But a life application study Bible, other commentaries exist out there. That Bible that glows in the dark that we mentioned earlier, the YouVersion Bible app gives you some great tools, devotions, other things to help you unpack what you're reading so that you're not completely in the dark. We live in an incredible age where technology can really help us understand more information. And wouldn't it be better to use that information to further our relationship with God instead of just getting in the mire of all the nonsense that happens in the world around us? There's some great tools that we can use to help us reflect on what we're reading, but we have to be careful not to neglect the prayer aspect, to not to neglect the time having the Holy Spirit inspect our hearts and our lives and prompt us to be transformed in the way we live. Those things in tandem, reflection and prayer, can help bring us to a better place where when we're reading regularly, reflecting and praying, we get to the last step, the last R, Respond. We have to do it. 
We have to do the things that God is prompting into our lives. Reading the word and not obeying the word is never going to bear fruit in your life. This one's definitely probably the hardest thing after regularly reading. Regularly reading is a pretty big hard step. But then doing the things that you read is just as hard because this one is painful. God's gonna do things that, God's gonna want you to do things that you don't wanna do. God's gonna ask you to do things. He's gonna call you to cut out relationships. He's gonna call you to cut out pet habits and sins. He's gonna call you to love the people you don't wanna love, to talk to the people that you wanna avoid. He's gonna call you to deal with tensions and conflicts that you do not want to face, that you would rather ignore. God is gonna call you to look at your own heart, your own desires, your own dreams, your own passions, and he's gonna call you to sacrifice those for his passions, for his dreams, for his desires for your life. This is hard. <laughs> Those two passages we looked at earlier touched on that. When you, uh, 2 Timothy had that equip for every good work. John 14 says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. If we claim to love God, we're going to obey the things that he has taught us. This is where the rubber meets the road. There are plenty of people who don't believe in God who know his word. There are plenty of people who have studied his word in an academic sense who do not believe that God exists and they can probably run circles around you in the understanding of what the word says. The Bible even says that Satan knows the word of God. In fact, he uses the word of God to test Jesus in the wilderness. But there's a big difference between knowing the word of God and living the word of God. There's a big difference between knowing and obeying. We need to do both. This is why it's so crucial for us to rely on the Holy Spirit. This is why it's so crucial for us to die to ourselves because we need to allow God's word not only to infect our minds, but infect our hearts and allow us to live out our lives in response to his word. Dying to self is at the core of this conversation because when we let our desires and our dreams be replaced by his, that's when we're gonna experience real life. That's when we're gonna experience transformation. That's when we're gonna be able to bear much fruit for him. Read regularly, reflect and pray, and respond. As the team comes back up, I wanna give you guys a little bit of a challenge that Pastor Lawrence is actually gonna follow up with you next week on. So better do your homework. The challenge that I wanna present is this week, starting today even, spend at least 15 minutes working through these three R's every day. Read regularly, reflect and pray, and respond. In fact, let's even do it in the same place. In the spirit of this series, Much Fruit, we've been working through the book of John, if you hadn't noticed. Let's start at the book of John. Gospel of John, verse one. Let's start right there. Spend 15 minutes, read it, reflect on it, pray, pray through what God's speaking to you there, and then respond to what he's doing. As you do this, pay attention to the way that God speaks to you throughout the day because he'll continue to speak through his spirit as you go. Pay attention to how it affects the way in which you love the people around you. So this is the challenge. Are you up for it? Pastor Lawrence is going to check in next week because if you don't do it, we're going to shame you publicly. Have you stand? No, that's not what this is about. This is about learning to walk closer to him. Because I know this, 
When we learn to have this disciplined habit of spending time in his word, spending time with God, he can do incredible things in our lives. He can do incredible things through us. It allows us to bear much fruit so that his kingdom can grow and we can bring God the glory he deserves. We can also allow other people to share in that glory by worshiping him and being a part of the kingdom of God. We need to develop this disciplined time in his word. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much that you have given us your word, that you speak to us in a way that surpasses time and surpasses so many things so that we can understand who you are, what your heart for us is, and what your design for our lives is. And Father God, as we face this week, as we face this challenge, Lord, I pray that you keep every single one of us prompted by your spirit, driven to spend time with you. Help us to be transformed by your word, by what you have for us. Father God, today as we, as we close this time in worship, we just pray that you help us to understand the way in which you would like us to look more like your son, to be more like you, so that we can worship you in all that we are. And we can make a difference in transforming this world, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of the eternity that people have in front of them for the sake of your glory. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for this time we've had together. In your name we pray, amen.